from Chicago, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Raj Nation, founder and chief pitch artist at Startup Hype Man, where we help startups, scale-ups, and grown-ups not suck at how they pitch themselves so they stand out to their audience and stand apart from the competition. This podcast is all about bringing you the hearts, the minds, and the stories of leaders in the startup ecosystem talking through the strategies they have deployed in order to build and grow their companies. And it's officially season 17 of the show, and all season long we've got a special treat for you, bringing you guests exclusively from the Startup Hype Man client portfolio, giving you a piece of their journey. Before we begin, if you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And remember, you can catch all the episodes from our 17 season archive and learn how to pitch your startup at StartupHypeMan.com. All right, get your popcorn ready and get hyped because it's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from New Delhi, India, and currently residing in St. Louis, Missouri. He is the founder and CEO of Engagedly. Please welcome Shri Chalapa. Thanks, Raj. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel like a fire now. crazy. <laughs> Shri, as I said, is the founder and CEO of Engagedly. And all this season on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we are featuring current and past clients within the Startup Hype Man portfolio. So it's truly been an honor over the years to work with Shri and his team at Engagedly uh, with the sales team and their overall pitch development. Uh, Engagedly is a company that impressed me right out of the gate. They are here to put an end to crappy performance management and instead get companies to align people and strategy through their engage, enable, and execute model. Now, Engagedly has grown to a point where they're at about $5 million ARR with 100 people on their team around the globe. Uh, so it's just really cool to see. Uh, well, really cool. And sometimes I know really frustrating to have a team meeting where inevitably someone is signing on at a 2 a.m. Uh, local time. But today with Sri, we are specifically talking about driving revenue growth through guerrilla marketing strategies. Sri, why is this on your mind and why is it important to you? You know, it's, it's important uh, because that is, is a necessity is a mother of invention, right? And that's basically where when we started, we didn't raise a lot of capital and we had to really think about b- different ways to build your brand and build your uh, presence and improve your lead, lead gen when you don't have the kind of money that Silicon Valley startups have that have raised you know, tens and tens and millions of dollars. Um, so that's something I think about and it made us obviously a lot more resilient um, you know, in, the, in this uh, whole six years, we've been in business and still growing uh, with very little capital that we've raised so far. Um, so it, it's something I think about every day and I don't want to lose sight of it because that's where, you know, the rubber meets the road for, uh, for companies like us. And I think a lot of companies that you work with and the companies who are listening to it can really benefit from something where they don't feel like they need to go and, you know, ask a VC for 10, 20, 30 million dollars to build their profile. Uh, I mean, obviously, if they get the money, they should take it. But that being said, you know, it's 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 an it's an alternative that can yield very good results. We'll talk all about that and how Engagely has gone about this over the years. Let's take a step back though and learn more about Sri, the person. Now, I had the opportunity earlier this year to actually visit your office in St. Louis, uh, and we had a really fun time. 
And I, 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 I looked at you then and I kind of always have kind of looked at you as like the renegade CEO uh, in that like the work day ends, but then like for you, like I think almost every night of the week, like playtime begins in that, you know, you, you, when you shut down the laptop, you, you actually built the Engagely office on top of a recording studio. So you head down to the basement and you get on your drum kit and you literally just have like a multi-hour jam session uh, after work every day. Can you tell me about how music influences you personally, but then also professionally? Well, music, everybody loves music, right? There's well, hopefully everybody loves music. If you don't love music, you should probably get your subject. Um, but that being said, you know, I think music is a good creative outlet um, for me because it really takes my brain off thinking because sometimes you overthink a problem and, you, and it actually makes it worse um, because at some point you just need to step away from it. Do go and do something else. That's, you know, there's energizing, there's creative, you know, after three, uh, you know, I, I start my day at 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. Typically, that's my normal, normal day. Um, and, you know, by, by the time it's three or four o'clock, I've already put in a 10 hour, good to 10, 12 hours of work. Um, and I need a release of some sort. And, and I think, and, and the release doesn't necessarily mean you go out and open your liquor cabinet and pour yourself a scotch or a whiskey. Um, or you go and eat a, eat pizza. It's something that actually energizes you and wakes you up again, you know, for uh, something more, to, you know, to 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 really experience life, if you will, in some some ways. And that's what music does for me. Uh, whether it's listening to music for some people, maybe it is, uh, you know, drawing or painting or something else that's creative. In my case, you know, I always wanted to create things, and uh, drumming was something that I got. Um, uh, attracted to and and we started making music and it just happened that I also own a recording studio in St. Louis so it was uh, you know it's a it's, it's a good way to do that and, and release that um, but it also helps because you get to meet people from different backgrounds you know so you're not always talking to another technical marketer or a developer or a, a HR person in my case uh, you're talking to creative people you know and their struggles and I mean many of them are living you know day to day on their paychecks and trying to still make creative music and or other types of art and you meet all these different walks of life who are equally brilliant uh, but they have chosen a different path in life and and you can learn a lot from you know their struggles and how they've been working it and how they think which allows you to may, maybe bring that some some of that uh, into your life and your work what i really appreciate is that you said a release should not be something that pulls you down. It should be something that gives you life. And I think a lot of people do take the opposite approach where they're like, I need the thing that, you know, we, we resort to, oh, I have to have that drink after work or whatever it might be. But it's, it's really stuff that ultimately damages us and doesn't really feed us creatively or otherwise. Um, and that, to that note of, you know, interacting with people who have walked different paths of life, the other reason I call it, I think of you as like this renegade CEO is because you're running a company that sells to HR departments. But I think it was like a year ago, I texted you and I was like, is this you I see on Amazon Prime? <laughs> and like you've actually directed movies before. Um, talk through your experience in film. And then, I mean, how do you go from directing, mo producing movies to running a software company? Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, you know, running, making movies was a passion and it's still a passion, but I haven't had time since I started Engagedly. Um, I think 
I, I didn't really go from that. This, you know, it's it, I, I see both of them as different creative endeavors. Uh, one of them obviously is a little bit more artistic in nature, but there's a big commercial aspect to that as well. You know, building a software and and, and selling the software and helping the organizations is fundamentally similar process as writing a script, casting it, building a team together, and then shooting the film, editing it, and then launching it, and then marketing it, and make sure it gets enough eyeballs uh, on the film. Very similar process, except it's just a different industry with a different type of product. Um, so I think it's very similar in many ways. It's not as different. In one case, you're creating software where you're thinking about a, a potential problem and a solution that you can offer to the market. In another case, you're thinking about what can I creatively tell a story that people like, and they're both storytelling in many ways. You know, I think, I think you talk about that a lot when, you know, in your marketing, you know, you're telling a story of how this person went on this journey, right? In our case, it's a journey of, uh, of a CEO or a journey of an employee through their development and growth or the manager in managing and executing on uh, corporate initiatives. And then how can a software help that? And, and the journey of how Engagely helped that, that's the story of Engagely. In this case, it's a story of, you know, these four grandmothers in my last movie, you know, bad grandmas. So, so that's, it's very similar in many ways, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I, it, it's not necessarily related. It's just something I love to do on the side anyway, too, so that I'm not always, you know, stuck in corporate uh, thinking 24 hours a day. Yeah, which, which has a ton of value to it, isn't it? You know, the... The, the thing I always preach in all the content with Startup Hype Men is think like an entertainer. That's how you will succeed in business is if you treat it more like an entertainment product, uh, not just in how it'll affect your messaging, but I think just from a mindset perspective, if you look at, for example, like how a movie comes together, right? There's a lot of value in business. And then on top of that, look at how the entertainer just puts their audience first. And they think through, how do I engage with this audience? How do I create an emotional connection with them? And if we do that more on the business side, I think we'll have we'll have all around better relationships. We'll have more successful marketing. We'll have more successful sales, and more success. So then, can you talk through the actual journey to create Engagedly? I mean, I think there's a lot of I mean, a why why a software company, and then b why specifically a product that sells to HR. Well, I'll start with saying there's no money in independent filmmaking. First of all. <laughs> As much as I love it, it's it's one of the worst business decisions anyone can make. Um, you know, unless you're backing a studio that already has a guaranteed market, and you're making Avengers Part Seven, um, <laughs> <laughs> which has a built-in audience. So that being said, you know, software. Uh, I've always loved software. I've been programming since I was fifteen, I think. I mean, I don't program anymore, but I, I got, you know, loved software in India. Uh, I was in, I think, ninth or 10th grade when MS-DOS was taken off and I love programming. So I always loved that um, because it's a creative aspect. It's like you're writing, it's writing code. It's just like writing and, and, and but it's just in a different language and you're telling, you know, stories and you're building a, a product that is, is something that you bring to life. Um, but that being said, you know, my, my whole uh, journey actually was in management consulting before Engagely and Engagely came through a friend of mine, Jay, who you probably talked to as well. Um, he had an idea for building an en engagement software that will drive better engagement at workplace. And I really resonated with that idea because when I was consulting, I saw people who were looking at work as a drudgery, you know, yet they spend most of their time 
at work because by the time they get home, they don't really have energy to engage with their own families. And, um, and, uh, and they're basically what I would, I was, this is one of the things I was saying, you don't, people work for the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not how a life should be in my opinion. Um, and at least we should aspire that you're not living a life where you're always working so that you can get to the weekend, you know, and then you work again and you get to the weekend. But what if we can make work more fulfilling where people really feel like this is part of their life, you know, the whole concept of work and life and work-life balance. I, I, I like to think of work-life integration where work is your life and life is work and, and, and they both should be enjoyable and fulfilling and it shouldn't be just about, you know, working for money so that you can have your weekend and your fishing trips and your, you know, ski vacations and whatnot. Um, so Engage was born out of that uh, concept that how can we make workplace more fulfilling and fun by building tools to connect people, build relationships, you know, uh, give them purpose at work where they feel like, you know, how what work they do is actually moving the, the ball forward. It has meaning um, you know, at workplace. So that was basically the idea behind Engagely to make it a little bit more fulfilling. And I think we are seeing a lot more of that. And when we started, it was kind of a, 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 a new thing that was taken up. But now people are talking about, you know, how do you engage people and how do you motivate them so that people don't quit? Because we are seeing this huge wave of resignations and people are, are deciding not to go back to work. You know, especially in the hospitality industry, we've seen these people who just completely quit the hospitality industry because it sucked. Um, and, and now, and, and during the COVID and, and short staff as restaurants are, it sucks even more for, for the people who work there. You know, one quick remark I want to make on that uh, concept of the work-life integration. I, I also believe in that. I don't know what the term is, if it's that, or if it's just life, right? Uh, but the way I look at, I, I think even at like a, a base level of that is, you know, let's say it's like Thanksgiving or day after Thanksgiving, See, I enjoy what I do so much that I might, you know, check my email like on Thanksgiving. And, and you know what? No one says they do, but everyone really does, <laughs> which I, which makes me think like the best time to prospect might actually be Thanksgiving Day because everyone in that like three hours before their family arrives or while they need a break for their family is probably looking at their phone. But anyways, like, you know, whether it's me like checking LinkedIn or checking email or doing something quick for the business, like on, I'm not saying I go out and like work holidays, but if I do something like that, I don't feel like bad about doing it. Or I don't feel like, oh my God, I'm being dragged into work. Cause there's something I'm like, you know, it's part of my like functioning, but the balance or the integration is that, you know what? I also counter that with there's times where it's two o'clock and I'll dip out for, to get a haircut. Right. Or, you know, right. it's, it's, I'll schedule the dentist appointment for 10 AM or I'll, you know, I'll go get lunch with a friend. Right. There, there is a healthy balance. It's not just that it's not that I'm working, sitting down, eight to five every single day, nothing else. And then also working on holidays or, or checking in on stuff, you know, at night, that kind of thing. Yes. Yes. And I've, I've, I saw this some other day and I realized this is what I was doing anyway uh, for, for many years now is that whole concept of eight to five is, is nonsense. You know, yeah. it, I, I don't think we should be like eight to five is work time. You know, after five, don't call me, don't email me. I need to do this, uh, which is spend time with, on TV or family or whatever. I mean, I think you just need to figure out what works best for you and your circumstances without compromising on either your family and friends and your own leisure uh, things that you do or at work, right? And what makes best sense for that? I think that's really what uh, uh, makes 
better sense yeah. because then everybody could win in that because you have in your life all these things as different stakeholders your work your boss your company your your wife your husband your boyfriend girlfriend whatever kids um and then your other leisure in my case you know my band or whether it is you know uh, other things that you do for your uh, hobby or fun whether it's uh, you know if you're working out i mean which is very important that you fit that into the day sometimes i'll go for a run at 2 2 p.m. because the sun is out and it's a good day to, you know good time to yeah, go for a run so you figure that out you know um and and as long as you're able to do that in a in a cohesive manner obviously it requires a little bit of a better time management and compartmentalizing uh, as well so when you're you know playing soccer with your kid you know don't be checking your email at that time you know spend sure. that time quality time stay focused and and be mindful and be present uh something that i have i'm not i'm not saying i'm the expert in this i'm saying i've learned that the hard way. yeah the hard way now <laughs> or, so. or or i need to spend time with your dog <laughs> exactly <laughs> sorry about that how <laughs> good well let's let's talk about our primary topic today which is driving revenue growth through guerrilla marketing i want to start this by asking how do how do you how do you at engagedly define guerrilla marketing So guerrilla marketing is my definition of guerrilla marketing is where you can get an aha moment of this one resonated with the audience that I want to go after um or at least be in front of without spending a lot of money right so I'm not necessarily buying a super bowl super bowl ad or something equal to that in our space um would be let's say i'm sponsoring i'm the platinum sponsor of this big conference i'm paying $50,000 for that sponsorship you know how how can you do that this, that gives you similar results at a fraction of the cost um and something that is not just pure advertising but also puts you as a thought leader because thought leadership marketing i think is the best way best way of marketing you know if you're marketing saying hey bias 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 and you can spend a bunch of money on that or you can say hey this is uh something that we think will be helpful and add value to your work and you're not selling anything you're just saying i'm offering this as an expertise out to the world and if you're interested in talking more obviously you know how to reach me and now how do you do that at a, at a, a fraction of the cost and that's to me is good about marketing one way Engagedly has successfully gone about that over the last few years is through publishing every year this top 100 industry influencers list. What was the strategy behind that in the first place and how do you actually go about that? So the strategy behind that was at that time nobody was really doing that kind of a list. There were other shorter lists that some blogs were doing. I think HR tech symposium or whatever they had did something something around top 25 or whatever i don't remember but anyway they didn't really do that but actually this is an idea that came to me because we did a similar thing in my previous startup that i worked on in the healthcare industry and we used to do uh, we still do actually which i don't i'm not part of that anymore um we used to call them hit men or hit women and hit stands for healthcare it hmm. hit <laughs> um and we would honor the top uh, influencers and movers and shakers in the healthcare technology uh, space 
And that really resonated in that space. We did, we did a great thing. We would actually have a sidebar, con, uh, um, you know, happy hour at a major conference um, in Vegas. And that was, we spent a little bit of money on it, but not a lot, you know, but it, it, it we got, you know, the heads of these top insurance companies and, and uh, uh, you know, providers and, you know, hospital systems who are really hard to get to be there because everybody likes to get honored, right? Um, so similar concept, uh, I wanted to do an HR space because there's a lot of movement in the HR space and people management, especially lately, there's a lot more, but we started this about four or five years ago. And that was the idea behind it. But what we wanted to focus on primarily was not academics, right? Hey, just because you published a bunch of articles uh, or journal articles and you did some research, that's great. But I think that was one component of it. We were looking at influencers, the people who actually had a voice so that other people can go and seek them out as they are. Because all the HR uh, professionals out there are learning, right? And, and who can you learn from? And these are the influencers who are promoting an idea or promoting some new way of doing things or a better way of doing things. And that's where the list was born out of. So it is based on not just your thought leadership per se, but also the influence you have outside of the thought leadership and in terms of moving the industry forward. So whether it's through social media, whether it's through speaking engagements, whether it's through uh, publishing articles and books and things of this nature. Um, so so that's our with that list, um, how did you decide who should make the list? And then was this one of those things where it's like, you know, sometimes I'll get those emails that are like, hey, we've, we've identified you as a top person, pay $500 and we'll give you an award. Is it like a that thing or is it just like a, hey, we want to award you, it's a free thing and we want to publish you in this report? Right. Uh, well, we, we don't charge for sure. Good. Uh, <laughs> in, fact, in fact, there have been some HR professionals who have offered to give us money several times. And we've said, no, that's not how we do things here, you know, yeah. uh, because that dilutes the value of the list. Um, that's not the value. The value is not for us to make money. The value of us to, is to really provide real thought. In, in a way, it's a thought leadership piece of saying, hey, these are the top influencers who are making waves. In case you missed this research or article or the speaking engagement this person did, you should listen to this person because this person is making a lot of sense and it's getting a lot of uh, traction out there. So we, uh, so we partnered with what we, we have a partnership with Washington University Entrepreneurship Center, where we get an intern or two from them every summer. So that is typically one of the projects we work with the intern over the summer. Um, and these guys are very sharp math uh, background people. I mean, they're not math majors, but they're, you know, in digital marketing or they're in some kind of a science major, science related major. So we use a little bit of a data driven approach to this to make it really unbiased to some extent. And I don't, I really don't get involved in this list at all to some extent, you know, the only way I get involved is to, to make sure there's no imbalance in the list. So if you have too many people in one category and not enough or too many white men in, in a category or, or overall, we, you know, that's not a good thing because there's this thing that men are out there more in the, sure. even in the HR, HR space, which is, actually counter to what the HR population is, you know. Um, the first year we published the list, there were 65 or 70 in that range, men, not just white men, but just men. But HR professionals, by and large, is probably the opposite, you know. So it wasn't a representative um, list. So we fixed that 
Um, so and I, I get involved to make sure it's good balance. But it's all data driven. You know, we look at uh, the frequency of publication, the recency of publications, uh, the 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 um, the value of the publication itself. It's with some self-published blog versus it's published in Forbes magazine or published in some uh, more uh, reputable magazines or articles out there. Uh, we look we look at their Twitter presence, their Twitter followers, the LinkedIn presence, link, you know, followers there. We looked at we'll also look at academic publications as well. So and we and we weight these scores. Um, there's a and, and the algorithm changes slightly every year. I mean, it's not as comprehensive as a Google search algorithm, but it is. But it, it is an algorithm, and we and we we change these algorithms to make sure it has it, it has good meaning, you know, to that extent. And that's basically how we do it for the most part. Um, so sometimes we get surprised, you know, people I've never heard of sometimes show up, and it's because of some something they did recently, and and we leave it up to the interns and some of our professional services team to work together on that. So it's our people and the intern who put this together, and then I just scan it, uh, you know, a couple of hours and make sure it looks good and in the other right categories, and uh, and then it's equitable uh, in in many ways, and then we put it out there. How do you put it out there then? Is it like a blog? Is it a PDF? How does how what's the actual like work product of it? Okay, so the gorilla marketing right is is, is two for and you you are an expert in in, in many of these things. <laughs> we obviously we publish the list right, and then there are hundred people in the list roughly. You know sometimes it's ninety nine, sometimes one hundred and one, but it's it's roughly amount because sometimes it's a tie and we'll include both at the end, um, and. The way we do it is we put out a press release first, so that gets that gets press, and obviously everybody likes lists, you know, top top this, top that. Everybody loves that. It's like the billboard of of HR, if you will. Um, and then we do a LinkedIn post, and we have different categories. You know, we'll have talent acquisition as a category, rewards, total rewards as a category, employee engagement as a category, uh, talent management as a category. So different categories, right? So we'll do different posts specifically on that, different blogs specifically on that, and we highlight these people and we tag them in LinkedIn. So that obviously helps. And these guys are already influencers. So they obviously like to share that, that they are on this list now, but they were already influencers. So we get that, you know, the, the reach uh, uh, multiplier uh, from them, right? Because each of them has thousands and thousands of followers on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. And some of them have like 100,000, 200,000 followers on Twitter. Um, and and hundred thousand followers on on LinkedIn, you know. Um, so there's, so that's we do that kind on of like built-in virality, right? There's a built-in virality on that, and everybody likes to, you know, a little bit of an ego thing, I guess, right? Or because you're no, building, you like you like to share that you've been recognized. You like to share that work. you won this award. I do that, you know. I've won a couple of awards uh, for some odd reason, but uh, I like <laughs> to share that too. So uh, you know, so that's basically how you how we how we promote this, and then we publish blog, we publish, uh, we do LinkedIn, um, and then um, and it goes out. And, and every year we do this, our LinkedIn engagedly LinkedIn followers does a jump like this on engaged leads company page. Literally, we get a 20%. We last this summer we got a 20% increase in LinkedIn followers on our page. We've been, I think we are like 3,500 or 4,000 or something like that right now. We were below 3,000 this summer. And then we just jumped 20% in one month. Um, so that's now that's LinkedIn followers are now they're there for perpetuity, right? Unless they unfollow us. 
not every Which, to be honest is rare like once you start following something specifically on the linkedin platform yeah people don't yeah. usually unfollow you know it, you're not getting like <laughs> linkedin's not a place like instagram or twitter where you're going to unfollow because someone is saying something highly like politically controversial and right. you're like i don't need right. to see this <laughs> right so there's a virality but that ha- also has a a longer durational time component to it too and and that's basically how we do that um, so then is this so that, that idea of like you have it like in perpetuity there's this dovetail effect when you release that list is the are you going into it saying hey we're we're doing this and we want to generate x number of leads out of this or is it more of like hey we're doing this to create overall awareness but and if it is overall awareness is there then like a aftermath kind of plan to be like, okay, how do we take this from awareness into getting them into our funnel at all? I wouldn't say there's a lot of math that we build behind it. I think it started off as an idea one day for me and and we started doing it and we saw the impact and we continue to improve that approach. The whole approach here really wasn't really to build leads per se. It was to build brand awareness and being a thought leader, right? in this case, a thought leader is somebody who puts a list. Now, we've done it for five years now, and I think five years or six years. So that gives you credibility that we've been doing this for every year. And I and I told my people, we will never, we won't, just because we don't have people, we won't do it. We have to keep the consistency. We got to do this every year. Um, and and that now the list, list gets featured. So I have, this list gets featured in other blogs. That other people write, hey, you know, if you want to look, check out the top influencers, check out this list, check out this list, check out this list. But one of those links is our links, right? There's, there's this compounding SEO effect from that as well, which comes to our website. So it's um, like you're like creating, like it ends up creating all these different paths and roads that lead back to engagedly. Correct. Correct. And then, you know, like, like you said, top you know, top billboard, top list. I don't even know who looks at billboard top list anymore because billboard was a big thing when I was growing up, yeah. but I don't even know. Now what it's like top is what, what is billboard? <laughs> <laughs> is there such thing as a billboard? Um, I don't know, but people still talk about it, right? That's billboard. Billboard is now a verb. So it's the same thing. I want to engage lead to be a verb, you know, yeah. like Xerox was and like FedEx is, you know, when it comes to that, obviously in a little microcosm of HR professionals, engage lead need to be the verb. Hey, we were on this engage lead list. Um, and that's basically, and, and you got it takes time, you know, and I realized this and I'm, I'm in this, it's not something that you can get instant results. Sure. The first year we did it, we got a little bit of uh, result and some people were poo-pooing the list. I was like, you know, screw the uh, critics. We'll keep doing it. Um, and maybe the critics were poo-pooing it and I got some backlinks from it. Great. Let's keep doing it. You know, <laughs> so we'll, we'll improve and we'll continue doing it. You know, and my goal is to keep doing this. And at some point, maybe, uh, in a, you know, five Three, four, five years from now, we'll maybe have a big gala in Vegas or wherever, you know, some place. And, and I'll be your MC. <laughs> and yeah, you can be the MC and you can, you can you know, wrap the opening and we'll have all these influencers come in and do a big talk and whatnot, right? But it, but it's that's the that's the aspirational goal. Um, but in the meantime, we'll keep doing this and and build an audience out there. And and the other thing we do is I individually email each of these people as well. So I take that effort personally to do that. Uh, obviously, I use a little tool, but, sure. I, but I get all their emails, I send them an email congratulating them. And sometimes they are surprised. They have no idea they made the list because like I said, it's not something that we 
go and say, hey, if you want to be the list, give us a thousand bucks. You know, it's yes, more like, yeah. hey, be, be looked around. You're on this list. You don't have to do anything, but congratulations. And, and here's the link to the list. Here's a link to the LinkedIn post. And here's a little uh, badge, you know, like a little badge we give them if they want to put it on their profile. That's great. And many of them have it in the LinkedIn profile. They will say that they're top engagedly top 100 HR influencer on their engaged on their LinkedIn profile. So, so there's, yeah. And it's, it's interesting how much that stuff really does matter. Right. So like, as of us having this conversation in this recording, as you know, I'm in the wow. Chili Piper top marketer on LinkedIn tournament, right? Yes. You're going to win it. You're going to win it. Which, 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 you know, I mean, being part of that, what, like, like you just said with, with your list, when I was like tagged in a LinkedIn post saying I'm part of this, I was like, oh, whoa, no way. I made it. That's pretty cool. I mean, they really only selected 32 people. It's a pretty select list. Um, and you best believe, and you know, by the time this recording hits the air, this tournament will be long over, but you best believe if I win this thing, it's going to go out, like in my banner on my profile, right? Like top, you know, top marketer on LinkedIn. Cause there's, there's some um, inherent like perceived value in that. Yes. And, and I would take pride in that as well. It's not just like a vanity thing. It's like, Hey, peers recognize me. And in your case, right. Their peers recognize them for their contributions to the industry. And then that, you know, it's, it's almost like just like this reinforcing cycle. Yeah, yeah, we were like Gary V. Bought your bag, Rajneesh. <laughs> uh, I want to qu- I want to qu- spend a couple minutes talking through another uh, guerrilla marketing strategy that you did uh, back in 2020. Uh, but before I get there, I just want to pose a question to the listeners, and it is, what's your opinion of Google Analytics? And I should probably direct a little bit more and say, how many of you actually hate Google Analytics? I would guess a lot of you are nodding your head, maybe raising your hand in your car. Um, if you're driving, keep both hands on the wheel, but you're probably nodding along to that. Uh, I know I've had a lot of issues with GA over the years and understanding where and why I lose site visitors before they convert is pretty hard. So with uh, GA, there's always some integration issues or uh, you have to find sort of through like a mountain of data just to figure out what's causing leads to drop off. It's a nightmare. So I was excited to learn about a better way to measure website analytics, and that, that's through a company named Oribi. Oribi is a unique marketing analytics tool that captures all the events visitors perform on your website without installing code, without having to be, without having to use code. So Oribi enables you to analyze visitor behavior patterns, build smart funnels, and then get tons of insight. So that way, you always know what your next step is. And and to me, the way I like to look at that is it's like you can actually understand the visitors on your site and know what to change in order to convert them better as opposed to having a site, but then just like, it's a site that you always feel like has blind spots on it. If you want to get started with Oribi, you can start on a free trial. Just visit oribi.io slash today. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash today. And as a special offer for them being partners of the show, you can use the coupon code HYPEMAN, all one word, HYPEMAN, for 20% off any plan. That's Oribi, O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash today, Oribi.io slash today. Use the code HYPEMAN for 20% off any plan. Today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we're talking with Sri Chalapa, the founder and CEO of Engagedly. We're talking about driving revenue growth through guerrilla marketing. The other strategy that I mentioned before the break there that I want to talk, spend a couple minutes covering is spring of 2020. 
pandemic hits. Everyone is panicking, right? No one knows what's going on. And within like, I don't know, the first week, maybe two weeks, it probably didn't even take that long. Um, Engagely comes out with this remote work, this free remote work toolkit, and you distribute it out to all your customers, everyone in your in your newsletter database, you're posting it online. And I was like, wow, this is pretty impressive. A, you know, the fact that it's free is, is always helpful, but but you were just like right there and right away coming with this resource because a lot of your customers, you know, your, your customers aren't like the four person startup who they're already working from home anyways. You got a lot of customers, you know, you have like a CVS, for example, who's got thousands of employees. No one has ever worked from home in that company in their life before. And there's one department in charge of figuring out how to make it happen for everyone. And then you've, you've got this remote work toolkit of resources and how-tos that's really valuable for them. How did you put that together so quickly? And, and how did you just come up with that strategy? Well, I don't know which politician or strategist, political strategist said this, never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, I don't remember who said that. I heard it was Emmanuel Ram, but I'm not sure. Um, right, right, Ram Emanuel. Ram Emanuel, not Emmanuel. Yeah. Ram Emanuel. Former mayor of Chicago. Former mayor of Chicago, former chief of staff for Obama. Yeah. Um, I think it was him. I'm not sure, but I'll attribute to him for now. <laughs> anyway, so this was a crisis uh, for everybody, including us, because we were like, oh shit, a lot of our companies are small. They're going to they're gonna suffer. Um and now we have to figure out how to help them and help many of these customers. But at the same time, also look at how do we help, but also get some you know, benefit value out of this at the same time. Um, so it's a win for everybody. So it was really a, a, this aha moment uh, because I saw, actually what triggered, my, triggered this was when I saw the Zoom the CEO, I forgot his name now, said Zoom was going to be free for everybody uh, during that time. And I was like, okay, what can I do similar to that for Engagely? I think it was Zoom or somebody else who did that first. Zoom, I know did that, but I don't think that was the one that triggered me or something else. And I started thinking, okay, what can I do that could do similar? And we came up with this remote work toolkit, which is basically a collection, a smaller subset of Engagely tools that you can be effective and productive and stay engaged when you're not in the same room, in the same office anymore, you know? So that was a collection of, you know, a, a little collaboration tool, a social tool, recognition tool, goal alignment, goal setting tool, that now you can go and work in your home, but now you're still connected. You know what your goals are. Everybody knows what your goals are and they know how you are doing against your goals and you can start, you know, working together. Um, and that was basically it. You know, that was a very small uh, collection of different things. And we said, this is free till, till uh, end of, I think it was end of the year or end of September or something like that, because we thought pandemic will only last six months. Obviously, uh, we were, or I, at least I was uh, very, very wrong about it. Um, so we extended it till the end of the year. And we said, you know, if you want it after the year is over, you know, we'll, we'll renew you at a smaller fee. Um, so it was one way to get a lot of customers, a lot of interest. Now, we didn't get a lot of customers uh, from that, but we got a lot of buzz from that, you know. Uh, and that's okay. And that's uh, what I got out of, the, out of that. So that was the impetus and the, what we got out of that. And I was hoping for a lot more revenue and customers from that, but that we didn't really quite get that bump that I was hoping for. But I wouldn't call that effort waste because it did get 
a lot of press, a lot of other blogs and articles were written about how these companies are offering tools to help your employees and you got listed in that list. So there were, you know, there was a lot of other collateral benefits from that. Well, and that's what, something I want to just really make sure we double click on or underscore. And that is, you know, again, the topic today is driving revenue growth through real marketing, but a lot of this, it does, it does not mean that it is, it is released today, revenue tomorrow. A lot of this is how do you set yourself up for long-term success and, and, and the gains come back to you over time? Because sure, you get a handful of people who use that toolkit and they're like, hey, we should actually buy Engagely now. But then you, what happens more often is you get a lot of other people who hear about, oh, Engagely was that company who gave out that free toolkit yeah, I've heard of them before. And that, and, and, and that happens because maybe they see the influencer list as well. They're like, oh yeah, Engagely did that thing. Oh wait, where were they? Also that company that did that toolkit, right? And then it's like these consistent ways of showing up in different places create this overall brand familiarity, which then, you know, and it may take someone to be, it may take them six months to become a lead. It may take them a year. It may take them 18 months to become a lead. But you're con- you're ultimately able to condition the market so that engagedly is like, has presence, and when they do they they do make that decision to come in, they are um, they're coming in already feeling like they know you, and they're like oh well they're like you said earlier Shri it's it's all about thought leadership right. You want like customers want to work with the thought leaders in the industry. That's who leads the category. That's who creates the rules for everyone else. And so if you're able to establish that market thought leadership, it comes back to you over time. You know, one thing I did similar time frame last year, um, I released this free, um, I called it the pandemic strategy pack. And it was just like literally a Google Drive folder with like eight Google Docs in it on how to augment your messaging to be pandemic, you know, early pandemic friendly. Because remember at that point, everyone was like, oh my God, how do we even prospect right now when everyone's worried about their livelihood? So it was just, it was like a walkthrough of how to do these different things. And that returned, you know, a couple customers. More importantly, um, it generated just like familiarity. It drove a lot of email subscribers. Um, Actually, someone who's now become a uh, one of our team members at Startup Hype Man was a result of that strategy pack originally because she saw that and she was like, oh, my God, this is really good. I think I might be able to help them. So they became a team member as a result of that strategy pack. And if I recall, that was actually the thing that we started working with Engagedly again because I, I think I literally I, I don't think you had seen it on your own, but I think I sent it to you. And I was like, Hey, this might be helpful. And then that led to a conversation where we said, and then we started working with Engagely again. <laughs> right. And so I'm, I'm bringing up these different examples and points to say that I, I feel like the, the failure of a lot of marketing teams and of a lot of startups in their growth phase is, is the very short-term thinking to say, yes. oh, if there's not a direct funnel that exists that dirt turns over a lead to a customer in nine days, it's a pointless effort. But I feel like that's the mindset, and I want you to I want you to comment on this as well. 
I feel like that's the mindset that will get you some customers in the short term, but it keeps you in a mode of constantly playing catch up to other people in the market. Yeah, the way to think about it is it's a struggle, right? Especially if you have not raised a bunch of money or if you're not Oracle or worked at SAP in my, in my space. Um, how do you compete against them? You know, and if you, if you keep thinking about, hey, before I spend $1,000, I need to make sure I get 15 leads from it or 20 leads from it. If you keep thinking like that, I think it's going to restrict your viewpoint. And if you think, think beyond that and say, how do I build thought leadership overall? And then overall, it will bring it down, uh, bring my leads in. And sometimes, you know, I can't put a number on it uh, because even, I don't know if even Coca-Cola can do that. You know, what was the impact of that billboard on, on Interstate 55? You know, I don't know. And I don't know if Coca-Cola actually knows what impact of that. Sure. Uh, they may claim they know. It's, all, yeah, I'm it's, sure it's they have, all like projected impressions, right? The yeah, I have some data scientists who are counting numbers and, you know, whatever. I don't know. They, they'll have some algorithm behind it, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But that being said, you know, there's this presence. So when you go and, you know, go and buy something, you basically have three or four brand names you'll look at. Um, it's the same thing. Uh, there was this concept, I don't know, in marketing that I learned in my B school called the Evoke set, which is when you go and look for, let's say you're buying a car, there's an Evoke set, which is your list of four or five or six, up, but no more than eight typically that you look at. And, and the goal of every brand should be to make it into the Evoke set for their target market, for the ICP. Now, as long as Engagely is in the evoked set for the our target market, market which is mid-market companies that are employee-friendly and are growing um, and they want to drive better culture, I want to be in that evoked set, right? I'm, now, after that, it comes to our product, our sales process, our value proposition to win that deal. So the goal of all these initiatives is really to figure out how do we get into the evoked set. So when they think of something, when they're ready to buy, are we in that list of eight people or eight companies or four or whatever the number is that evokes that? And that's uh, how I think about, you know, so that when they hear about us, it's not the first time they've heard about us. They've heard about us before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and, and I think this speaks to something that I've really been big on over the last few years uh, and trying to preach is this notion that B2B marketing really should be treated like B2C marketing. Right, it, like you said, if Coca Cola can have a billboard just to let you know they exist, <laughs> why should in like why shouldn't an HR software company do things just to let you know that they exist? And that and that and that's that's brand presence and it's brand awareness. Right, right, right. Let's. Um, I want to ask one more question, then we'll hit our wrap up, and and that is if if you're giving advice to someone. What are the main things a company should consider when trying to develop a guerrilla marketing strategy and, and how should success be determined? So I would say the guerrilla marketing strategy is to, is to figure out what will make it go viral. Hmm. And what about this? is something that will make it go viral. What about this? Something will want well, somebody want to go and share to other people. If it's, it's, it's not enough to think about, Hey, this will help people download it and look at it. But 
I think you need to think beyond, okay, what will it do? How, how can I make this so that not only will they, they look at it, but they will say, hey, you should, you guys should look at it as well. So that second degree of propagation, I think has to be uh, built into that, into that initiative that you're thinking about. If it only has first degree, then it's not true guerrilla marketing. In my opinion, the guerrilla marketing has to have the second degree where you're doing something where you're not only reaching that, that in the first degree of um, audience, where the, the, you're also seeing how it can drive this first degree to get to the second degree. You know, I want to I wanna actually very specifically um, make a distinction in something that you just said there, because I don't want the listeners to overlook this. In asking the question of how do we go viral, or, or how does this go viral, um, what, there, there's something very um, specific that you said within that that should not be overlooked. Because I think where a lot of companies fail is they literally, they sit there and sit, they, they go, they just go, oh, well, how do we go viral? And, and that's like almost like the, the wrong starting point. And that's why I'm saying like, there's a clear point in what you said that I want to make sure it doesn't get overlooked. And it's the, it's the way you ask that question is, what about this would make someone want to share it? Because I think when people say, oh, how do we go viral? They're like, oh, yeah, we'll just put this in front of them and they'll want to, they'll, and we'll, we'll put a share button on it and people will click that. And it's like, no, it's what about this is shareable naturally. The, um, the motto I follow with all of our content, or most of it anyway, is, 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 uh, it's actually a, it's a more extreme version of that. It is uh, how do we create something so good or unique or interesting that the person consuming it can't go to sleep that night until they've shared it with someone else? If you can create can't sleep content, right? Like they just they have to get it out. They have to get it in someone else's hands before they go to, before their head hits the pillow that night. That is where you really dial into that like true, like inherent virality and not like, not the forced virality of, oh, we put a tweet button on it. Therefore it's, vi- it, it's going to go viral. Yes. And, and, the, and the thing is the, the people don't understand, not everybody understands the math of that because the first degree is, let's say it's 10. The second degree is, a, is an order of magnitude. It's 10, 10 times 10, you know, so it's a hundred. It's not like from going from 10 to 15, it's going right. from 10 to 100. And that's why it's so important to spend that extra effort because you'll be doing 10 10s to get the same result. And you still may not get the same results than getting spending the time and or your creative juices on building that one that gets you that 100. I want to get to our wrap up now. First off, where can our listeners find you, Shri, and where can they learn more? Um, they can find me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the best way to uh, find me. It's Sri Chalapa, S-R-I-C-H-E-L-L-A-P-P-A. Um, uh, co-founder, president of Engagedly, engagedly.com, E-N-G-A-G-E-D-L-Y.com. Who's one person who you want to give a shout out to who has been helpful in your journey? Oh my gosh. There's not one person though. There's so many people. You got to pick one. <laughs> For the sake of this exercise, you got to pick one. <laughs> you know, I I like to. I, it's not a person I've met, 
uh, I like to meet someday and a person I, I love to hate and I love to love at, at, depending on the day is Elon Musk, obviously. Because um, he, you know, people might debate this, but I think he's a greater influence and a greater visionary and a greater, I think, executioner than Steve, Steve Jobs was. Um, and no disrespect there. Only because a couple of things. One, yes, he's done great things like Steve Jobs did. But what I really liked about him, which I like about him, I aspire about him, is that he was able to do multiple things and bring them to reality at the same time, which is similar to how I live my life, you know, in many ways with music and movies and, 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 and the startup. How do, I, how do I do that and still be effective in all of them and manage, manage my life? Um, I don't know. That's probably I'll give a shout out to Elon Musk, I guess, you know, <laughs> that's, and, and, and the way he does viral things, unbelievable, right? The guy knows viral marketing, like no one's business. That guy is everybody's just, buying uh, Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah. Dogecoin, Twitter polls to spend money, you know, or raise money or whatever you want to and pay taxes. The last thing he did, just, you can learn a lot from that and, and try to figure out how does that fit into your microcosm in, in the context of this discussion, how can you do that in your little microcosm? We'll now do our top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on the discussion today. I'll go first and I'll toss it to you. Our topic today was driving revenue growth through guerrilla marketing. Uh, I think the, the key lesson out of this from this discussion for me is be willing to play the long game. Sure, you will get some short-term wins, but be willing to invest in the long game. Tree? I would say in viral marketing, you have to be willing to take criticism. There will be haters out there. You shouldn't be afraid to put out content that you can stand behind. You have to stand behind. You can't just make some bullshit claim and not be able to stand behind it. But stand behind it and and be able to face criticism. You know, when we put out the top 100, for example, I, I knew there was going to be criticism because people are going to be, this is not top 100. These guys should be on the list. Why is this person on the list? Why am I not on the list? Fine. You know, it's fine. I'm going to, I'm going to miss people. I'm going to, the first time I put on the list, I had 70% men in HR. Fine. I took the criticism. We got beaten down in a couple of blocks pretty badly. And people got out and some of my people were very panicked. You know, we should have really not done this right or whatever. I'm like, no, it's fine. We learn, we move on and we do, be- we do it better next time. So do not be afraid of, because when you're putting yourself out there, you're going to get people throwing stones at you. And these are the people who throw stones at you are the ones who have done shit, jack shit in their life. <laughs> my final question, which is how we end every episode on this show. Fill in the blank, Shri. Entrepreneurship is blank. Hard. Really hard. Not for everyone. He is Shri Chalapa of Engagedly. Shri, thank you so much for joining today on the show. Appreciate this conversation on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. All right. Thanks, Raj. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and leave a rating and review in your podcast app or do us one better. Hit the share button. Send this episode to one friend who you think needs to hear it. While you're on your way out, don't forget to follow Startup Hype Man on Instagram and LinkedIn at Startup Hype Man. 
And remember, you can also connect with today's guest as well. They left their contact info. They love hearing if what they shared helped you in any way. StartupHypeMan.com is the place to catch the full 17-season archive and learn all about how to pitch your startup. We'll see you next week, but until then, stay hyped. Raj Nation out.